0: Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Uh, today I'm excited because this is episode 150, 150 episodes of MBA Insider. Wow, uh, it's been quite a journey way back to when we started this in March of 2020. And I'm just so grateful that all of you who are tuning in, who have listened, been listening in on the journey uh, to creating 150 episodes of the MBA Insider Podcast. I wanted to take this time to thank all of you for listening, for indulging me, for giving feedback, for giving ideas for how to make this podcast even better. And I'm just so grateful that I get to do this and that it is a part of my own life. And thank you for all of those of you who are listening and who continue to listen to uh, the show. What I wanted to do today was to take this to reflect a little bit, both in terms of sharing more just how I got started on this journey, as well as what I've learned from really making the MBA Insider Podcast, both about the MBA degree and the MBA experience from interviewing hundreds of MBA students, alum, people that work at the MBA ecosystem, as well as what I've learned just from producing the, the podcast and doing 150 episodes of this. I'd also love to be able to talk about what I think is going to be ahead in terms of what you can expect from the NBA insider podcast. And finally, last but not least, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you about what you'd like to see in the MBA insider podcast. And so I'll give you a nice little call to action uh, at the end. But just to get started here, I want to talk a little about just a story that I don't know if I've actually shared on this podcast before, and I want to share a story of how I actually ended up in business school to begin with. As some of you may have heard from just other episodes, you will know that I've shared in the past that getting an MBA for me was not a matter of if it was more a matter of when. And part of that was because both my parents got MBA degrees and education was something that was just always prioritized in my household. And even coming out of college, part of the reason why I took the very first job that I did was because I knew I would have the opportunity to eventually go get my MBA degree, given where I was working and. Even with knowing that I was going to get an MBA, I almost didn't actually end up going, at least the first time around. Uh, What eventually happened was I, like many of you, listening was waitlisted. But unlike many of you, I was actually waitlisted at every single school that I applied to. This was definitely pretty challenging. I had put a lot of effort into going through the MBA application process, doing interviews, doing my essays, all the things that all of you have also had to do for those of you who have been through this and to get that, not even rejection, but that purgatory, if you will, for five different schools was pretty humbling and pretty demoralizing in many respects. And as many of you who study psychology will know, there's something called this concept of the escalation of commitment, where you. Have committed so much to something that you don't feel like you can really turn back on it. While I was definitely feeling very many moments of that, I also was caught in a conundrum because I hadn't been accepted into any of the schools. So I did what most people who are on the waitlist would do. And I did what I could. I think I Googled how to navigate the MBA waitlist and I looked at all the advice and I did everything that I could for all the schools that I was on the waitlist for. In the end, I was fortunate that I was able to get off the waitlist at UNC, keenan Flagler, thanks to Sherry Wallace. Sherry, if you're listening, uh, thank you for admitting me off the waitlist. And I was actually, I think, partially able to do that because I had worked with two colleagues who actually emailed uh, the admission staff at UNC, and had men- they had mentioned, we think that Al would be a great a great addition to the class at UNC keenan Flagler. And I'm sure there were other uh, things that they looked at when they admitted me off the waitlist but I, I do think that certainly helped and so pro tip if you are on the waitlist somewhere and you're at a school where they do give alum a chance to write recommendations if you can get them definitely get them because in my sense they it really helped me so i got admitted and i was admitted off the waitlist sometime in may and at that point i was only admitted to, to one school but there were still some other schools that were out there that I was hoping to hear from, and I had a decision I needed to make. And that decision was, do I accept the offer and get off the wait list, or do I just keep going and continuing to work because I didn't need to necessarily leave my job, I could just apply again in the next cycle. Now, I made a rule to myself when I applied to business school that I would only apply to schools that I could see myself going to, but. Just as I think many of us are in terms of when we get something, we also like to keep our eyes open on what else is out there. And because I had not gotten an hour rejected and I had gotten waitlisted, there was still this thought of maybe if I just wait either for another admission or maybe till next year for some of the other schools, maybe I'll get in. And I was really on the fence of whether or not I should accept the admissions offer from UNC. And I went back and forth over it and I remember basically asking everyone that I knew and I very vividly remember having this conversation. I was walking on the streets in Boston where I lived at the time on Bay State Road and at the time I got a call back from my mentor Grace and I was talking to Grace who had gone to Harvard Business School and had since left to go work in the financial services industry and I remember. Going to Grace and being like, Grace, what do I do? Should I accept the offer? Should I wait till the next year? I'm torn. And she just said, just go. We want to do this. You already said that this was already in the cards for you. You're already admitted to a school that wants you to be there. Just accept it and just go. It will be a great experience. And between that and some of my other encouragement from some other mentors, uh, I decided to go. And it was a tough decision, but ultimately, looking back, it was. a a good one and I am very grateful for Grace's encouragement as well as for other people around me who saw how much effort I had put in and who really prodded me to to just go for it. It was very humbling though to be waitlisted at so many schools and I definitely think I entered business school with a chip on my shoulder feeling like I needed to prove things and while I think that is something that many of us may feel at various points in business That experience in the admissions process certainly shaped that. Uh, But I bring that story up now because as I think back about the MBA Insider podcast and what I built with MBA Schooled, I do think that there is a world where none of those things happened if I didn't choose to go to business school. And certainly I think part of my desire to build MBA Schooled was to educate more people about the MBA experience and the admissions process based on the fact that I was fortunate to get a lot of insight in that information when I was going through the admissions process and wanting to be able to share that with a much broader audience. And so I just wanted to share that story just to reflect back upon the journey with MBA school and the MBA Etc. podcast and hopefully also to encourage and inspire those of you out there who, whether it's thinking about getting an MBA to accelerate your career aspirations or anything else that you have in mind uh, that you're thinking about or on the fence with, you know certainly do your own due diligence, do the homework. But at the end of the day, once you've done the homework, go with your gut and move on from there. Okay, so a little bit of history, a little bit of fun with MBA School and MBA Insider. But now I wanna talk more just about the MBA Insider Podcast and and what I've really learned about the MBA over the past 150 episodes. So there's a couple key points I wanna talk about. The first is, I think more than anything that the MBA is a career accelerant. And what I mean by that is that throughout the course of all of our careers, We'll need career accelerators at various moments to help us get from point A to point B. The MBA is one way to accelerate your career. There are many that are out there. Certainly there are others that are a little less costly, and there are others that come in different shapes and sizes, but it is a pretty valuable one that can really help you get from where you are today to where you want to go in the short-term future through. The learning through the experiences, through the network, through the other opportunities, and so forth. And I think a great example of this comes from someone who I have interviewed before in the past, Jody Innerfield, who also has also been a guest host in the Emmy Insider podcast. And Jody was someone who started her career off is working on movie sets. And now she's leading product marketing teams for an enterprise software company. That all happened because of a career accelerant like an MBA degree. And again, there are plenty of other career accelerants that are out there, but the MBA is a valuable one in that regard. And the other thing that I think an MBA can be valuable as a career accelerant is that while it helps accelerate your career in the short term, it is also a accelerant for the long term, as many of us will over time have to make continuous pivots and also grow in continuous ways in our careers and MBA comes into play every single time you make another pivot or you grow in a new way. The second thing that I want to talk about uh, from what I've learned from the MBA insider is that in my mind, just for my own kind of thoughts on this, which are very subjective. The most successful people who graduate from business school are the ones who use What they've learned in business school to architect and create their own goalposts and mile markers. And what I mean by this is that when you graduate from business school, what's unique about this experience is that unlike the MBA experience, where you are, particularly if you're in a full time program, going through the experience with other people at the same time, where you're all at very similar stages, once you graduate from business school, it is your turn now to spread your wings and fly and to go off in your own ways in your own different directions. What that means though, is that while there will always be some standard sets of mile markers or goalposts that you'll want to align to naturally, the people who seem to be most fulfilled and to be most content with the path that they're on are the ones who seem to set their own mile markers and their own goalposts for how they want to measure success. A couple examples of this that come to mind are people that I've interviewed on this podcast, such as Jasmine Ako. Jasmine entered into consulting post-MBA. Learned a lot of great things there, and then was able to use that to uh, pivot back actually into the education space, but in a different lens. A couple other great examples: Paul Millard, Paul I interviewed, and Paul actually has built what he's called the Path, which is also happens to be the name of his book. Uh, but this journey was was through his own experiences after business school in terms of navigating through the uh, human capital consulting world, g- getting sick, and using that time to reflect upon looking through different paths. And now Paul is a solopreneur, entrepreneur, and is really architecting his life around doing work that is interesting to him. And he is someone who I have seen not only be successful in his own right, but someone that so many other people actually aspire to and admire to because of his ability to actually create his own path. Another great example of this is someone like Nick DeWilda. Nick was also a guest on the podcast and someone who is really thoughtful about career and life and work and the intersection of how that all works. But Nick went to Stanford GSB through a number of different uh, opportunities in his career now has really architected his own path and his own metrics for success. And is creating kind of a portfolio career, if you will, where he's dabbling in a number of different things that he has interest in and that he's excited about. And that he's able to both pursue his own aspirations personally, professionally at the same time. And while it doesn't necessarily look like a traditional quote unquote path, it is the one that seems to be most exciting to him and allows him to do the work that is most engaging and exciting to him. And It is really interesting and exciting to see all these people who are successful are able to do this because they really set their own goalposts and mile markers. Okay. The third lesson I've learned from the ME podcast and particularly interviewing a lot of MBA students and alum, is this idea that the people who are most successful tend to not be successful by themselves. They are successful because of the individual work that they do, but also because they rely on the advice, the support, and the guidance of others. And they also go out of their way to cultivate connection and relationships uh, and community, quite frankly, with other people. I'll give you a couple examples of what I think this means. In the workplace, the people who get work things done, who succeed in getting projects across the finish line, while probably have to work really hard to do it, really do have to rely on the success and help of other people in the process. And this is particularly true when you work at a large organization. And similarly, I think if you look at the people who achieve something great in their career. While their individual work ethic is really important, what's also probably true is that they got help and support along the way. And part of that is because they're just naturally thinking about how do I find ways to involve other people, either through getting their feedback, through collaborating with them, uh, through connecting with them, or how do I bring groups of people together so that we can all win together and grow together and learn together. A couple of examples of this that come to mind are people like Diego Granados, Felix Watson, and Shivi Shi, all of whom were on the podcast at various points. Diego and Felix and Shivy are all very passionate about product management and have all found different ways to break into product management. And now what they do is they find ways to give back and they find ways to bring people together to A, share what they've learned, but B, to inspire and to empower others to break into product management. For some of who have an MBA degrees and others who don't. But what's true about all of them in terms of what they've been able to do is that they have been able to both rely on others in their network and cultivate relationships through them and build community with them to advance in different ways, as well as they also are building their own communities to be able to empower and guide other people as well. And I think if you, as a thought experiment to this, go find you the, someone who you think is successful and ask them about how they've been able to be successful. And I'm sure they'll tell you about the hard work they've done, but I also think they'll probably tell you about the advice they got, the opportunities that other people gave them, or the relationships that they had. And so those who uh, work hard, as well as those who build that community, I think tend to be ones who succeed over the longer term. Okay, the fourth lesson is around how I think that the NBA, what it really does more than anything else, Is it gives you a compass for how you can architect and navigate your career. Even after you graduate from business school Uh, for 99.5% of the people who graduate business school, the first job and the first career or first job and definitely the first job, and perhaps the first career you have out of business school will not be your last. So in, in addition to that, the goals that you have for yourself, you know, after business school will certainly evolve over the years. And what the MBA teaches you is that it gives you a series of skills, as well as a mindset for how to navigate through all the different changes that might come your way in terms of your own goals, in terms of your own desires, in terms of your own aspirations, after you graduate from business school. I like to call this a career operating system or a mindset and a set of actions and practices that you can use to continuously evolve and grow uh, over time. And so that you can set and achieve your own career goals. And I think part of why MBAs in particular get this is because you go through so much work in the career process when you are an MBA student on refining your pitch, on cultivating relationships, on learning how to interview, on learning how to communicate your, the value of your work and what you've done. All these things, which again, serve you well in business school in terms of finding an internship and job, but go with you throughout the rest of your career. And then last but not least, what I've learned from the MBA Insider Podcast is once you get an MBA, the learning just really starts. It doesn't end just there. A lot of times I think we think of stuff like school, because in particular because it's a terminal degree, as being the place where you stop. But from my experience of talking with a lot of folks out there, the MBA is just the starting point for the learning. And I think two really great examples of this are Christine Tao and David Siegel, uh, two CEOs, Christine of Sounding Board and David Siegel of Meetup, who business school was a transformative experience for them to learn, but since then have gone on to learn and really unique. For Christine, it was about being in a startup and getting access to an executive coach, which really up-leveled and helped her grow um, her career. And then so much so that she got the rest of her team to get executive coaches, which up-leveled them and drove their performance, to now running a company sounding board that actually helps companies Uh, use executive coaches in scalable ways. And then David Siegel, the CEO of Meetup, went to Wharton as well and had a phenomenal experience and used that time there to catapult himself to different executive roles before finally taking on the role as CEO of Meetup. So these are just a couple examples of just some of the lessons that I've learned from a lot of the amazing guests who have been on the MBA Insider Podcast. And I just want to thank all the guests who have been Part of this for contributing their stories and their knowledge and their thoughts and experiences, it really has made my job a lot of fun and and really easy. Just a couple things to share, what I've learned just about podcasting in general and just working on something like this. So a couple things that come to mind. So first and foremost, progress, not perfection. I've talked to a lot of other people who have started podcasts or who are thinking of starting podcasts, and one of the things that really holds people up, at least from getting started, is just, this fear of not having it all. I decided to make a podcast in March of 2020 because I always knew I wanted to start one. But when I launched my book and around the same time that COVID hit, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to do the book tour that I wanted. And so I figured, why not talk about the book on a podcast? Instead of starting this a little bit later and taking a little bit more time to plan, I just launched with an MVP. And looking back on it, I definitely... I made some mistakes. It was a little bit less refined and it certainly wasn't as polished as I would have wanted it, but what it gave me a, d- a chance to do was to iterate off of it and to learn from it. And over time it got better. And that's really what I was aiming for. And what is that mindset of progress and not perfection has really helped me grow it to what it is today. And so if you're someone who is trying to start a podcast or anything else for that matter, and you're worried about not having it perfect when you start, I encourage you to change your mindset to understand that is the feature, and not the bug, and to get started wherever you are, because you still will be able to refine over time. I think the second thing is that as a result of kind of focusing on progress and not perfection, every time you show up for a podcast gives you a chance to be better, as well as to get a feedback loop. And what I mean by that is, is that every single chance you get in at bat is your chance to try something new, uh, to learn something different. And also to reflect on that and then to use that and bake it in to what you do next. And so uh, I've gotten a number of feedback from listeners that who, who have been listening for a long time now that the thoughtfulness of my questions has improved significantly. And that has happened because I've taken the time to, to listen to what I'm saying and think about how I might be able to say it differently. And then to apply that the next time I do an interview. And if you're doing anything like a podcast where you're going to be consistently showing up, being able to tighten that feedback loop and to take the things you do to analyze them and to learn from them and then to try something new is really really critical. But that is the beauty of being able to do 150 of these is that you get to see uh, the journey of how far you've come along the way. And then finally, the the last thing I, I would say that I've learned from this is that these conversations have really fueled my own thinking and my own depth of my thoughts around various topics, like business education, like the importance of career education, like the value of an MBA over the long-term career of yourself. These are all things that I've thought about in the past and I thought were really important, but when you have lots of conversations about them as part of a podcast, it just helps refine your thinking. It pokes holes in it, it helps you re- tweak it. Uh, you get more examples of seeing it in action and it helps you put language around things that are thoughts in your head, but now you can articulate because you've had so many more conversations. Okay, so those are just some of the learnings just from uh, doing this 150 times what i want to do now is i want to talk about what's next where are we going to go from here what's ne- for the next 150 episodes or however long this continues to go so i want to highlight a few things so first and foremost you're going to start to hear from more voices as some of you who have been listening have seen i brought on a couple different guest hosts uh, most recently brad vonick and jody two people who were former guests on the show who now uh, have hosted guest episodes. I'm going to keep doing this because I want to keep more voices coming into the fold so you can hear their perspectives and how they think, as well as to hear some of the people that they have chosen to interview to expand the diversity of ideas, of perspectives, and of voices. I'm really excited to do this. One of the things I really believe in strongly is the importance of bringing people on the journey with you so that you can share collective success and bringing other people into the fold who enjoy podcasting, who enjoy having conversations about the MBA degree, education and learning and careers is something I'm really excited for and happy for. And shout out to both Brad and Jody for being great hosts. And I'm looking forward to more episodes from them and from maybe some other voices as well. The second you know, thing you're going to hear more of is we're going to have more alum talk and we're going to have more content geared at MBA alum as well. One of the things that I'm hearing often from folks who, to, who, who kind of share with me is that they've come across MBA Insider or MBA schools in some kind of capacity but they've also started to graduate from business school and would love to hear more about what life is like after business school. Furthermore, I'm hearing more and more from MBA alum who come ac- across the podcast and say, Hey, I'd love to be able to share my own with uh, prospective MBA students to help them think about why an MBA could be a good fit for them or not for their career. And so we're going to look for more MBA alum out there from not just full-time MBA programs, but from other MBA programs as well so that they can share those experiences and you can hear about them. Finally, we'll also continue to keep doing solo episodes where it will just be myself uh, talking about a specific topic that's relevant, whether you're a prospective MBA applicant, a current student, or an alum. Uh, We'll try to put these in on a monthly basis, just so you can get some short episodes on some really specific content uh, that is relevant to you. Okay. What, now that we're wrapping up, uh, I would love to hear some things from all of you. And I'm going to leave my email address as well as where you can reach me on LinkedIn, because I'd love to hear from you about some additional pieces of feedback. I would love to know from you what you'd like to hear on the podcast. What are the topics that you'd like to hear us talk about? Who are the types of people that you'd want us to bring on the podcast so that you can hear from them? And I think this is really important because you all are the reason why we show up uh, and do this every week, and I would love to know what you'd love to hear about and listen to. So check the show notes, uh, for where you can contact me either on LinkedIn or by email and tell us what you think. Would you like to hear more from MBA students? Would you like to hear from more from MBA alum? Would you like to hear from leaders of organizations? Would you like to hear from other folks in kind of the MBA ecosystem, if you will? Let us know what you want to hear more of, and we'll make an effort to try to factor that into the episodes here. Again, I just want to thank everyone uh for listening and to celebrate the 150th episode. And I really encourage you to keep listening, keep telling me what you want to see and hear, and we will be in touch soon. So thank you very much. Hi everyone, L D here, and thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.